THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Hacha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it's a pleasure to welcome you to episode 546 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast Nerds. My name is Matt Bump. That was like some fucking, that's, what was it? it's like? That's uh, some sick rhythm. Yeah, that was a sick rhythm. Yeah. You're right. That was a sick rhythm. We were just yeah. listening to some reggae. Yeah, and we Joe were. thought a white person was co-opting the term, but no, they call their songs rhythms. Oh. They're beats. I get it. Yeah. That was a sick beat. I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. In this week's episode, we put our review spotlight on Michelle FIFA's Suicide Squad homage, Copra, and the return of Ghost Rider. Why didn't they call it Ghost Riders? Uh, I don't know. There's two of them. We'll see. After that, we're going to review eight more of this Wednesday, October 2nd's new comics, Faster Than Daddy Sony and Mommy Marvel Can End Their Marriage During the Ludicrous Speed Round. Then it's down to the teach in Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're burning transcripts of old phone calls and wrapping about our must-read picks for next week. And finally, we travel back in time with the Wizard Wayback Machine to an October long ago. It's all happening on this rough and ready episode, but first... We best talk about this week's nerd news. Nerd news. It wasn't really a rhythm. It was more of like a square dance. Yeah, it was kind of more yeah, like, like a square dance. Out, like a grab down. your partner, turn them around, put them straight down, and take them downtown. You know, whatever. No, see, no. <laughs> yeah. Paint them brown and slap them around. I don't know. <laughs> that is not right. No. No, you're right. Definitely not. Yeah, the Prime Minister of Canada has gotten in trouble for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> From the Spirits of Vengeance desk, the planned Hulu Ghost Rider project is dead due to creative differences. Whose creative differences are we talking? When they say it's dead due to creative differences, that means like Hulu is like, we don't think this is creative enough. What, what, what does it mean? <laughs> oh, you added a new story. Yeah, I don't know. The, the, sto- the show was going to star Gabriel Luna. Reprising his role as Robbie Reyes, although a different version yep, not than that the Agents Robbie of Reyes. S.H.I.E.L.D. version. I think they were going to call it Not That Ghost Driver. Yeah, Not That Ghost Driver. Uh, now, Matt, you love Ghost Driver. Are you sad to see this one die before it was even born? Not at all. It's stupid. I don't care. I don't give a shit about the Ghost Driver. And it's not because, like, oh, they replaced him with a Mexican kid PC bullshit. I'm not saying that at all. My problem you is— You just like Ghost Rider to be on a motorcycle. It's not just that. We have two established ghostwriters that have never had a TV or film presence outside of a really, really shitty movie. Two. Two really shitty movies. One where he actually pees fire. Yeah. But Nicolas Cage. He also, uh, he he also eats uh, jelly beans out of a martini glass. Yes. Nicholas Cage. He's eccentric. Because Nicholas Cage. Yeah, it's not right. even eccentric. Right, because Nick, because Nick Cage. So let's start there. If you want to work towards a Robbie Reyes character later, can we please just start with the right one and establish it the right way, please? I mean, Robbie, saying, Robbie is the ghost rider. He's, he's, he's he, the ghost fucking driver. That's not what they call him. I'm sorry Stupid. that you don't like it. People, wanna, people ride in cars. I want a dude on a motorcycle, flaming skull. I want the origin. Let's do that. Do that, hmm. okay? It's sad. I mean, he was good at the, he was good in the, as the character. Uh, I, the, it's baffling to me that they're like definitely not Agents of Shield. Nope. It's so weird. Why? I I think they're just trying to completely disconnect themselves from that. I think Kevin Feige got so mad at the main Marvel branch that like he doesn't want 
anything to do with them. Maybe. And Disney was like, fine. Maybe. I don't know. And maybe maybe the way they restructured the contracts and stuff, it, they were just like, cut off. Forget it. You're out. We were bringing everything into Marvel Studios. It's ours. Boom. Well, no. I mean, I just read uh, Bob Iger, the whatever his position is. He's like the chairman of, D- of Disney or whatever. Bob Iger. Bob Iger. Yeah. <laughs> One name. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> he just wrote a book. He sounds like a, d- a demon from Dungeons and Dragons. I'm trying to like make a Baba Yaga joke, but oh, it's not coming to me. We offer this blood to you, Baba Yaga. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he like Ike Perlmutter was like meddling in shit and Kevin Feige was not having it. And so Bob Iger was like, he ordered Ike Perlmutter to stop, uh, like, he was, like, putting up roadblocks saying, you can't make a Black Panther movie. Black people movies don't sell. Uh, you can't have a superhero, uh, female superhero movie that doesn't sell. I mean, that's just old Hollywood thinking, baby. Sure. He's from a right. different time. And I'll bet he didn't say black people movies either. He, he <laughs> this, said. This he, is Ike we're talking about. It was something about, about I mean, yeah, something to do with n- movies with black leads, you know, are not, are not going to be as blockbuster as we want them to be. Yeah. Something to that effect. Uh I bet it's a little more racist. Probably. <laughs> and yeah, Kevin Feige was really hitting up against him. They were butting heads? Is butting heads, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you even did the thing. I know. <laughs> and Bob Iger was like, fine. Split it. Movies are yours. TVs are yours. Do what you want. Yeah. Which is too bad because he was right. Black Panther totally failed. Yep, it was Captain a colossal Marvel failure. Didn't make any money. No, you know mm-hmm. the trolls were right. Yeah, nobody wants to see black people and women in movies. Yeah. But we learned. That's what's yep. important. We learned. We learned. <laughs> Neither of those things are true. They were mm-hmm. huge successes. Of by course the way. they were. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, I like the traditional Ghost Rider as well. Yeah, but I, th- I was looking forward to this like supernatural corner of the yeah of the yeah Marvel. definitely. But it, they're still doing Hellstrom. They Hellstrom are. is still a go. Well, I mean, it's creative differences, they said, so it's nothing to do with the viability what of the character. What does that mean? I don't, I don't understand what that means. <laughs> like, last time they had creative differences, they just hired a new director, and yeah, we got Ant-Man. Exactly. <laughs> so, what's the problem? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Speaking of creative differences, from the adults-only Birds of Prey desk, mm. DC, uh, this is actually technically from the Black Label desk. The Black Label desk. Got, we already have a desk. Yeah, it's got dildos all over it. It's filthy. <laughs> DC's planned Birds of Prey ongoing series, set to debut this October, has been postponed to 2020. Do you know why? Uh, Well. If you had one guess. To tie it into the movie? No. They want him to drop F-bombs. With a plan to make it more mature (laughs) and to tie into the upcoming Birds of Prey and fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. That is a stupid title. That's the title of the movie? Birds of Prey. Parentheses and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. That is the end parentheses. title of the movie. That's the title of the Birds of Prey movie. Barf. Just barf. Yeah. Ugh. Originally solicited as a T plus title, as in for readers 15 and older, because, you know, T plus, 15. T right? plus, yeah. That's what the T stands for. The now black label Birds of Prey title is framed as for readers 17 and up. Yeah. Yeah. Nudity. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. Let's go straight zombie tramp. You because know, like. <laughs> DC has definitely shown a willingness to explore mature material in their black label. Absolutely. Imprint. 
Described now as an upscale black label project. What does that mean? I don't know. Like they're gonna eat a fancy fucking restaurant? Yeah, they're gonna eat they're gonna eat that tiny bird that you eat alive and you have to put the thing over your head so that God can't see you do it. Well it's not a baby bird, but it's a small bird thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm surprised you knew about that. Wow. Well, I don't know the name of it. DC didn't specify whether upscale equates to any change in the previously solicited $3.99 cover price. My guess is upscale means more expensive. Oh, for sure. The title now launched sometime in February 2020, coinciding with the film's February 7th release date. The only thing that I like less than DC movies are when DC movies get into my goddamn comics. Well, and I get it. This is a black label thing. It's out of, it's whatever. I don't know it's that it's necessarily label. going to be influenced by the movie. I think they're just kind of trading on that publicity, which is fine. I get it. That's marketing. You really want me to believe that this is not going to be influenced by the film? I guarantee they are pushing it back just to do that. This is going to be a totally film-related version of those characters. No, they've already released promo art. It's the it's the comic book versions of the characters. Uh-huh, and now they're pushing it back, and it's going to be a black label book. They're, they're changing gonna it. They're not going to redo the whole book, Matt. It was going to come out next month. So what, they're going to just go and drop F-bombs in it and a few here and there, and just like, instead of like, hey, watch out, Harley, you're going to be, watch the fuck out, Harley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I was already not excited about a Brian Azzarello Birds of Prey comic, no. and now I am even less interested because I don't think I have really enjoyed any of the black label comics I've read so far. Not really. Not whole, not nothing. Nothing has stood out. And yeah, I'm not, I don't care. I don't care about this. I I, I think it's, I understand the marketing reasons behind it, but Azarella wants to give them dicks. Azarella wants to give them all dicks. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to see the birds of praise dicks. (laughs) God. Speaking of Kevin Feige, which we were in the last story. From the Kevin Feige desk. It keeps getting bigger. First it was a Marvel desk. Now it's got Star Wars shit all over it. Right. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige is going to develop a Star Wars movie as part of Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy's plans for a new wave of Star Wars projects. This news comes courtesy of The Hollywood Reporter. Feige had discussed a possible Star Wars project in late a late summer meeting with Kennedy and Walt Disney Studios chairman Alan Horn and Alan Bergman. Horn seemingly corroborated this report in response to The Hollywood Reporter. He corroborated? He corroborated. Uh, corroboration. While citing conflicting sources who believe that this will lead to a larger role for Feige within Lucasfilm, and others who believe it's merely reflective of a passion project for the Marvel Studios head, The Hollywood Reporter cites a top Disney source, in air quotes, that says Kennedy's role at Lucasfilm, which she's held since 2012, is secure. Why would it not be? What are they scared of? It, 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 let's say that they're, that, let's go with the other half of the rumor, and, and we'll say they're like, oh man, Solo didn't make as much money as we wanted, because it only made like $400 million worldwide. Sure. That poor little art house film. What are they scared of? If they are, like, we're bringing Kevin Feige in to save Star Wars? Like, are you banking that the next movie is a failure? Uh, nobody's saying that. No. He, he's, like, they've got lots of different projects in the works from different types of creators. Yeah. The Game of Thrones guys, yes. Ryan Johnson. And I think this makes perfect sense. This makes perfect yeah. sense. The dude knows how the dude makes billion dollar movies in his fucking sleep. Right. And now okay? the thing the thing about Kevin Feige, I think that there was some critical attention given to uh, some of the side movies and the sequels. A lot right. of I mean not everybody loves them wholeheartedly and I get that. Um Kevin, Grow up. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Kevin Feige knows how to build a universe. Yes. And I think that's something that could be very cool for these 
very different corners of the, of the Star Wars movies. And we had a universe built around the Skywalkers, and now that universe is ending. Right. I mean, the universe is not ending, but that story is ending. That, yeah. So now you got to figure out how do we bring this stuff back in. And, and a bunch of disparate stories. While I'm into it, I don't think that's what they see as successful for Star Wars. I think they want some kind of connection. And Kevin Feige knows how to do this. Right. And I think you made a note here, is Disney scared of what happens after the end of the Skywalker saga? And I think, yeah, it's a big unknown. It definitely. So... Definitely. But I, again, I don't think it's anything to fucking worry about. Jesus Christ. Think about the prequels and how much money those pieces of shit made. I, the, but they were all still tied to the same. They are. But I'm just saying you can't kill Star Wars. You, you don't worry about it. Just mm. do it and do it well. Too big and to it'll fail, be fine. says Matt Baum That's of the right. two-headed nerd comic just book like, podcast. Just like when I bought all that Enron stock. It was Everything worked out fine. <laughs> And finally, from the mommy hates daddy and she's taking her son and leaving desk. Sony Pictures and Walt Disney Studios have come to terms to co-produce a third Spider-Man film starring Tom Holland, a story that should surprise no one. I'm totally floored. I didn't see it coming <laughs> out. Give me a goddamn break. This is like for Sony to think that they had any footing. Any footing whatsoever. Well, but the thing is, is that it wasn't Sony that initiated the thing. Disney was like, we want more. And Sony said, no, thanks. Like, it wasn't Sony's idea. I'm not saying it was, but for them to think that they weren't going to give Disney whatever Disney eh, wanted. It was all posturing. It was I, all posturing was for stupid. publicity. It was just, and they were like, well, we'll just take Spider-Man and make a bunch of Spider-Man movies because everybody loves the standalone spider stuff that we're doing. Oh, that could go so bad so fast. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I, people were arguing that, like, the Tom Holland version of Spider-Man is essentially a Marvel Studios creation. Absolutely. Like, yeah, it was a Sony movie, but Marvel Studios steered that ship. Without question. And like, I was just watching yeah. uh, Far From Home last night, and, he, like, he's wearing a suit that Tony Stark made him. Right. You're never going to dress this again? It's just going to go away? He's going right. to put on the old spider suit like, and call it good? It would have been so unsatisfying to just have him show up in a movie and then not explain what happened. And the raw amount of goodwill that people feel for that character... You know, like people cried when Spider-Man died in Endgame or in Infinity War. Yeah. yeah and yeah. when Spider-Man came back, people cheered. And then it's like Sony's like, we're taking our ball and we're going home. And people like mourned the death of Spider-Man. They like put pictures of Tom Holland at the D20 thing with flowers and shit like he was dead. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, <laughs> come on, Sony. Yeah. Figure I mean, it out. It was, this whole thing was very silly. And if you didn't see this coming a mile away, you're not paying attention. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, it's good news. And so they're going to so far, the deal is to co-produce one more Spider-Man movie and one more MCU movie. But, you know, it's going to lead to more. Uh, Probably. This is making them too much money. This is making everybody too much money. Right. And I think it freaked them out so bad when Marvel showed up at at the D23 or whatever and went, all right, here's phase four. Bam. We got Shang-Chi. We got Doctor Strange. Like we got Thor. We got all this stuff coming and like no mention of Spider-Man. And Sony was just sitting back going. And so now, if it happens, 2021 will be the first year we have four Marvel movies. Cuckoo. Is that too much? Nope. I mean, I don't think so either. There's going to be TV shows, too. I don't care. Give it to me. I want it all. No, I'm in. I don't understand the idea of superhero. People are like, superhero fatigue. No. 
That's not a thing. No. People love these movies. Yeah, and we have... And as long as they continue to be at least a baseline level of good... Right. We have 80 plus years of yeah. comic books where people did not get tired of superheroes. They're yeah. not going to get tired yes. of this. Yeah, it, I think that argument is ridiculous. Right, and nobody's like, well, sports fatigue. I'm so tired yeah. of all the sports. Where's the a- action movie fatigue? Right. No. You know, like, give me a break. I mean, yes, yes, certain genres... Where's the Medea fatigue, you know? <laughs> like, nobody brings that up. <laughs> Medea fatigue, title of the episode. Uh, uh, people like uh, genres do fall out of favor. Like we, we don't see Westerns a lot anymore and these things happen. And maybe there will come a time where superhero movies where superhero movies are on the decline. Sure. But that ain't now. We're nowhere near that. We're nowhere near that. No, it's, they're making a billion dollars worldwide. It, it, yeah, it's not going away. I'm glad this is figured out for now. For now. Uh, so but for this 2021, is also, this is your fault, Marvel. This is your fault. You did not do everything in your power to go and get Spider-Man back. Well, they must have. Of course they did. Uh, I mean, they got fucking Star Wars. They couldn't get Spider-Man. Lucasfilm, Disney bought Lucasfilm. That's they didn't just secure the rights to Star Wars. I know. I get that. But what I'm saying is you couldn't buy the rights to Spider-Man. Sp- one character. Disney. Spider-Man. Buy Sony. Yeah, Disney. Buy Sony. Apple is looking at buying Sony Entertainment right now. Uh, so for 2021, we got Shang-Chi in February, Doctor Strange 2 in May, Spidey 3 in July, and Thor 4 in November. It's a hell of a year. Wowie zowie. Yeah. I'm excited. Nutso. Uh, so this new deal, Disney is financing 25% of the Spidey 3 movie, but they also get 25% on the back end, which is five times more than they were making on Homecoming and Far From Home. Right. So Sony not only went, okay, we'll give you the deal, but they also went, and we'll just do whatever you want, like you said in the first place. (laughs) You never had any power. You didn't. You know, it's just ridiculous. But it's good news. It's good news. Like, I know that people get a real skittish about, like, giant corporations controlling all these different yeah but like look properties what look what we're talking about you know like they're th- these properties were always controlled by a giant corporation in one way or another even if it was marvel comics they were the biggest comic book corporation there is right and so, remember when dinky little studios owned the rights to these companies and yeah, the products we and got what we got how is captain america 2 where he rides around with a motorcycle and Oof, the clear shield jesus like yeah come on guys That is your nerd news for the week, but I'm sure we missed plenty of other stories while threatening to hurt ourselves online if Disney caves and makes Venom an Avenger. So, hit us up on the THN Forum's big news section, or better yet, tune into Cover to Cover live every Saturday. We just did it. Where we broadcast on our Facebook page from 11 to noon Central Standard Time. It's Nerd Talk Radio, and you nerds control the content. So call us, 4028194. You're not going to clap that one out? Oh, sorry. Go ahead and start. Four zero two eight one nine four eight nine four. Bang! Or click the call now button on our Facebook page. If you can't be there live, leave us a message or send us an MP3 to nerd at gmail.com. It is spotlight review time in the ziggurat where Joe is revisiting an old boyfriend, and I'm hoping my ex can still bring the heat. Joey! Tell us about your Belle Michel's old new project. All right. Yeah, that's quality writing. That is. That's excellent. That's what that is. I am reviewing Copra, number one from Image Comics, written and drawn by Michel Fifa. It's 44 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. 
series premiere, Cobra returns in the first of in the first issue of its all new ongoing series. Oh, bitch. That's all you're getting out of me. <clears throat> Acclaimed comics auteur Michel FIFA picks up where his band of mercenary misfits left off, reintroducing the entire cast of his Suicide Squad-esque revenge machine in a brutal standoff against their own leader. Jump right into the thick of it. With the world's greatest action team in this extra-length debut, Milestone, 36 pages for just $3.99. 44 total. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's well, that's what, that's what Diamond said. Oh, damn. The solicit says it all. Cobra is back, and it's picking right up as if it never left. Unfortunately for me, I'm about six issues and a few spinoffs behind due to missing out on a couple of subscription cycles during FIFA's self-publishing days. Whoops. Yeah. In the back matter, the writer-artist actually addresses the difficulty of presenting a quote-unquote first issue while trying not to spoil too much for new readers. He likens it to reading a random issue of your favorite comic title for the very first time. Part of the experience is discovering what you missed. It's like we always say every comic book is someone's first. Ultimately, I think FIFA succeeds because I was so drawn into the whirlwind action that I never stopped to consider whatever context I was missing. Whirlwind. Whirlwind. <laughs> Half the fun of reading Copra is figuring out which character FIFA is homaging because they're not all Suicide Squad characters or even all DC. For example, Castillo is obvious is an obvious riff on The Punisher, and we've got uh, we've even got a Cameron Hodge and the Reavers lookalikes here. There's a great handbook-style character guide in the back and a quick issue-by-issue -issue recap that, honestly, I could have used at the beginning. Yeah, totally. Uh, Michelle Fifa is an artistic maniac. Incredible hand-drawn lettering and sound effects. Sometimes the sound effects are incorporated into the art Will Eisner style. Sometimes the sound effects are the art. Amazing color work that occasionally just gives you the impression of color on otherwise monochrome pages that look like old newsprint. He's also a total chameleon displaying a mastery of different styles and techniques throughout the issue, or even sometimes in a single page or panel. There's a deliberate rough edge to Copra's visual style that harkens back to classic independent comics. I'm thrilled that FIFA is maintaining that aesthetic after his move to Image. Packed with content from the first page to the last, Copra number one hits the ground running hard and doesn't let up. New or lapsed readers may have to work a little harder to keep up, They'll definitely be rewarded for doing so. I'm giving this a buy it. I think new readers are going to be in a much better place. And like you said, that the issue wrap up mm -hmm. in the end, that helped me a lot. Me and in too. fact, I enjoyed this more reading that. When I read Copra and I liked it and I thought, like, oh, this guy's cool and he's creative and he's definitely kind of weird and whatever. But reading that and revisiting the book, I went, okay, this right. is a lot more than I thought I was getting the first time. Yeah. So it's cool. I like that what Image has done and how they've repackaged this, and it is worth picking it up and checking it out, definitely. It's not just like, oh, you already read it once, you don't need to read it again. Yeah. There's a reason No, to this read is it. all new. Yeah, this is not just a reprint of the no. original number one. This is all new. No, so I'm giving this a buy it as well. And for that matter, when he was self-publishing, the issues were more expensive, like yes. five or six bucks. It's true. So this is extra content for actually less money. And they are impossible to find. They so are tough to find. Good luck to you, sir. Uh, one issue has was not even put in the last trade, so. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm, I'm a little salty about that. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. All right, Matt. Get us on the on-ramp to the highway to hell. Oh, boy. That was bad. Get Sorry. Get us on the on-ramp. Wow. Get us on the on-ramp. Thanks, Grandpa. My review this week is of Ghost Rider. Number one from Marvel Comics. It's written by Ed Brisson with art by Aaron Cooter. It is 40 pages for $4.99. Your suggested soundtrack for this one is the latest Devil Master record, Satan Spits on the Children of Light. It's oh, boy. quality thrash, wow, man. Yeah. Good stuff. 
spinning out of the pages of the Absolute Carnage spinoff, we got us a new Ghost Rider series featuring both Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch in full flaming regalia. Not calling it Ghost Rider sure seems like a missed opportunity, but hey. What a missed opportunity for what? For me. To confuse marketing? It should have been Ghost Riders. There's two of them, okay? Johnny is now the king of hell after Mephisto tried to move into Las Vegas last year in the Damnation crossover. Donnie Cates wrote it, and it was a hoot. Wong stayed behind to keep Mephisto in check at the hotel Inferno, and that is mentioned here. In fact, Brisson isn't doing what I thought he would at all, but continuing the current path for the Ghost Riders, and it's more entertaining than old Flamehead has been in, well, quite a while, honestly. <laughs> While Johnny is still rounding up some escaped souls from hell, also from the aftermath of Damnation, Danny is trying to run a bar and drinking himself into oblivion. So when Johnny comes asking him for help, Danny's like, Go fuck yourself. But when Danny <laughs> starts to worry about Johnny's immortal soul and the amount of power he's wielding, I mean, there's no story if he doesn't get involved. And Brisson kind of surprised me it's as like to the where end. the story looks Ghost to Rider, be going. Ghost Rider one shot. Yeah, that was that. Maybe I've gotten used to seeing Cooter drawing the bright world of Metropolis or the Fantastic Four or just plain old outer space stuff, but this was some dark, violent comic book art yeah, that he draws, I did not know he had in he it. He draws good monsters. Man, his Ghost Rider howls while crackling with flame. He's using the chains more like Pinhead from Hellraiser than Ghost Rider, and it's really scary. The first issue read like death metal lyrics complete with over-the-top horror fantasy art, and I loved it. They should have called this book Ghost Riders. I'm not going to let that go. You need but to let it go. It gets a big satanic buy it anyway. Wow, I'm giving it a good Christian buy it. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought this was great fun. Um, I love Aaron Cooter. Uh, he's self-taught. Did you know that? No shit. Yep. Just picked up a pencil and no started drawing. No art training. Self-taught. Man, that guy is good. Yeah, he's super talented. His monsters are gross. And he's kind of a chameleon, too. I mean... I kind of feel like his I mean, style I, is his style. I recognize his. I'm not saying his style is completely different here, but it like I didn't know he had this in. It. It's certainly not like bright and sunshiny. You know? Yeah. Uh, I love the. I, I love that uh, Johnny Blaze has like crown points coming out of his head. It's also a good way, other than so when the motorcycles aren't around, we can tell who's who. <laughs> yeah, Otherwise, exactly. you just have two guys without you know. seeing Danny Ketch's huge like grill in the front right. of his motorcycle. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving this a buy it. I really liked it. I, I love Ghost Rider. He's a silly character. Uh, and I think this is a fun direction. Yeah. Definitely check it, it out. It was just good, fun Ghost Rider. So that is a double buy it for Copra number one and a double buy it for Ghost Rider number one. We're going to post our written reviews over to nerd.com so Nick Cage can remember his good old fire pee and Ghost Rider days when he finds them. But we need to know what you nerds thought of these comics too. So call us this weekend on THN Cover to Cover at its new time, 11 a.m. to noon central time. That phone number again, 402 819 4894. I almost gave you the Ministry of Hemp phone number. 402-819-4894. Yes. Sony and Marvel have been fighting over Spider-Man for so long, we've decided it's time to step in and help poor Tom Holland escape this domestic dispute. Divorce is hell on the children. It sure is, Joe, as I know all too well. Your parents are still married. That's not the point. Now, the plan is, get in, 
black bag spider. This really sounds like kidnapping. Settle down, and then we get out before they even notice we were there while we review eight more of this Wednesday's comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Grendel, Devil's Odyssey, number one of eight from Dark Horse. Matt Wagoners, I spelled that wrong. Grendel Prime returns in the space opera where the devil has been charged with finding humanity's new home in the wake of Earth's destruction. Fans of Wagoners, most fearsome Grendel will feel right at home. It's just Wagner. It's not Wagoner. Wagoner. I know, but I'm just going to say it like that. In this far future tale that sees Grendel Prime in space cutting apart giant sand fleas with his laser sword. I love Wagoner's art style. And he's just showing off here in what might be his biggest Grendel tale yet. I love Grendel. I'm giving this a huge buy it. Ruby Falls, number one from Dark Horse Burger Books. Legendary writer Ann Nascenti returns with a mystery about a young woman who becomes obsessed with solving a decades-old murder that was witnessed by her grandmother. The only problem is, grandma's got dementia and may not be remembering something that actually happened. I really enjoy the story, and Nascenti does a good job fleshing out the characters' personalities. Italian artist Flavia Biondi... Flavia Biondi? That's all definitely wrong. Flavia! Uh, She's on art here, and while she is an excellent storyteller, her art sometimes looks unfinished. Her faces have strange, angular features, and sometimes they're missing features altogether. Whoa. For example, there are panels that are otherwise extremely detailed, but the people will have crude, rectangular box mouths and no eyes. What? Yeah. (laughs) Ruby Falls, number one, presents a compelling story, but I wasn't in love with the art. I'm giving it a skim it. Fair enough. Nomen Omen, number one from Image. There's a lot going on in this first issue, and I can't say I followed all of it. Writer Marco B. Bucci is telling a multi-layered story, some of which is flashback, some otherworldly. Things got a little weird as the story shifted to the present, I think. But there's definitely an interesting supernatural mystery here. Jacopo Kamangji, who worked on X-Men Blue, is fantastic on art. I can't say that I liked his style on X-Men, but it works very well here for this self-described urban fantasy, giving it a strong skin it. Fair. All right, number one from Action Lab, Danger Zone. Series writer Wes Loker got in touch with us for an early look at his new sci-fi series that's launching next week, and I'm glad he did. Arai is the tale of a surly starship captain on a decade-long mission in deep space, waking to find himself on an alien world after getting sucked through a black hole. Damn. I really enjoyed Loker's script and artist Graham Jarvis, or Graham Jarvis, shows a lot of potential. His, uh, the style of his line art reminded me a lot of Andre Lima Araujo, uh, and, and they're almost like kind of pinpoint, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of dotted line yeah. style almost. Really cool. Yeah. I really liked Araya number one. I'm looking forward to finishing the series, which you can find in its entirety exclusively on Comixology next Wednesday, October 9th. Give it a buy it. Look at us doing all these digital comics. Yeah. It's crazy. Strange Skies over East Berlin, number one from Boom. Judas and World Reader creator Jeff Loveness writes this amazing, creepy, paranoid look at high strangeness during the Cold War on the mean side of the Berlin Wall. Lissandro Esteran's art just adds to the eerie, claustrophobic feel of the story about secret police investigating strange lights in the sky. His Phil Noto-like style and washed-out colors push the weird and tense story and help to set up Loveness' creepy mystery. This was the best comic I read this week. And if you love UFO documentaries and solid Cold War storytelling, you cannot go wrong here. Buy it. Absolute Carnage, the Immortal Hulk, one shot from Marvel. I was going to review Marvel Comics 1001, 
leave it. It's terrible. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Oh, man. It, what a waste. <laughs> but then I read this and I had to talk about it. Al Ewing presents a meeting of the minds taking place in the single second following Bruce Banner's encounter with the Venom symbiote in Absolute Carnage number three. And it is amazing. That is cool. People not reading the main Hulk book may be lost in places, but Ewing uses Venom as a reader proxy, filling in what you need to know. Philippe Andrade's art is absolutely stunning Andrade. here. Andrade. Philippe Andrade. That's what I said. Yep. It's so gorgeous. I was already a fan, but he has really leveled up here. The Immortal Hulk one-shot is another great tie-in for the Absolute Carnage event. I'm giving it a huge buy it. The only reason I know that is because there's a wrestler named Andrade and kicks ass. Okay, great. There you go. Maybe it's Philippe. No, mm, definitely. You don't know. I know. The Green Lantern, number 12 from DC. Man, do I love the way Grant Morrison writes Sinestro, even if it's an alternative universe version. Hal Jordan is fighting a nightmare version of himself in a different reality, and Grant Morrison writes the comic to an end. Big time. No GL-13 next month. The end. Until the next chapter of the story. <laughs> when he says it won't even be called Green Lantern. And there's a good damn reason why. This was an absolutely bonkers ending to Morrison's first GL saga. I cannot wait to see what happens next. I can't give this a bigger buy it. Contagion, number one from Marvel. Ed Brisson's weekly mini event is deceased by way of The Last of Us. Hey as a strange plant-like disease makes its way to Earth from the mystical city of Kunlun. Roge Antonio's art is great. It is very good. It has kind of a Stuart Eminem or Leonard Kirk thing going for it. And there are some pretty cool artists lined up for future issues. It is pretty familiar material, but it was a fun read. Let me ask you a question. You really think Reed Richards, brilliant Reed Yeah, Richards, that was dumb. Shows up with a Fantastic Four and catches a disease An like obvious that. contagion. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention you have the Invisible Woman who can put bubbles around everybody and they're yeah. fine. And right. nothing happens. She puts <laughs> yeah. a bubble around herself, but she forgets the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Come on. There are a couple of pretty stupid like that character was like, moments. Well, we need someone to get infected. You know, like half the <laughs> freaking young Avengers get infected. They would make a mistake, you know? <laughs> Send the new warriors out to die. Hey, hey, you know? hey, hey, hey. Uh, still, I thought this was a fun read. I'm giving Contagion number one a buy it. Yeah, I'll give it a buy it as well. It was a fun read. And yeah. the art was very good. The art was very good. Very good. Yeah. That is your ludicrous speed round and is the sound of Superman coughing up kryptonite blood. As seen in the pages of Batman Superman number one. Gross. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by Onus via the THN Facebook fan page. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can hack it up on any of our social media accounts or send us an email to twohittednerd at gmail.com. <laughs> Good news, everyone. There's a more than solid chance our president is going to prison. For real this time. But rather than gloat here in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, we see this as a valuable learning experience. If you're going to threaten people with your power on the phone, you've got to destroy them records. Why are we keeping records of us threatening people on the phone? I don't know. <laughs> That's the real question. That's why Matt and I are feeding the contents of the file cabinet of Fanrear to the furnace of Felexja. Matt, while we destroy the evidence... Sorry, the notes. Notes, yes. Why don't we tell these nerds about our must-read picks for next week? Sounds good. My pick is 
Doctor Doom, number one from Marvel. Who's that guy? Written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Salvador La Roca. It is 32 pages mm. for $3.99. Let me tell you, I love good comics about bad guys. Here's your solicit from Christopher Cantwell. Halt and catch fire! She could fly! That's actually two, two different, different things. Shows. Yeah. <laughs> one's a comic, one's a show. Right. Comes a new monthly ongoing series, Victor Von Doom. Scientist, sorcerer, disfigured face. I, that's not like a person thing. Twisted soul. Has been spending much of his time warning against a trillion dollar global effort to create the first artificial black hole. Wrestling with visions of an entirely different life, a better future. Dr. Doom finds himself at a crossroads. What is he questioning? A catastrophic act of terrorism kills thousands and the prime suspect is... Doom! Victor will have to push his unexplained thoughts aside and focus on remaining alive as the most wanted man is thrust upon him. Is the title. No one is thrusting the most wanted man upon him. <laughs> the title of most wanted man is thrust upon him. Left with no homeland, no armies, no allies, indeed nothing at all. Will the reign of Dr. Doom come to an abrupt halt? Probably not. I, well, of course not. I love this. I have only seen a little bit of Halt and Catch Fire. It's friggin' excellent. It is good. This take so on this the is, character. This is basically Doctor Doom versus the Large Hadron Collider. Uh, sort of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I uh, think it's gonna be awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm. It's a cool take on the I character too. I run hot too. and cold on Salvador Larocca, but well, when they're gonna come out and be like, "This horrible thing happened," we all know it was you, Doom, and he's like, "Whoa, ho, ho, ho!" This time. It wasn't, okay? <laughs> like, and Dr. Doom would be the first to be like, look upon the destruction <laughs> right, right. that Doom has wrought. How exactly. come I didn't do that, you assholes? <laughs> you <know? laughs> Joe Patrick, what's your pick? My pick for next week is Buffy the Vampire Slayer slash Angel colon Hellmouth, number one. That's a lot of slashes and colons. I know, from Boom Studios. It's written by Jordi Belair and Jeremy Lambert with art by Eleonora Carlini. It's 32 pages for $3.99, and here is your solicit. The first event of the all-new Buffy universe starts here! <clears throat> Buffy Summers, the Slayer, has one job. Keep the forces of hell from coming to Earth through, uh, Hellmouth. They actually wrote, uh, in there. <laughs> Here's the bad news. She might have failed. The Mistress Drusilla and her ally Spike have found a weapon to open the Hellmouth and unleash unspeakable evil across the town and the world. With time running out, Buffy must team up with a new ally that she doesn't fully trust. The vampire vigilante known as Angel. Vampire vigilante. <laughs> Can these two find a way to work together before the Hellmouth opens, or these two decide they might be each other's greatest enemy? I'm going to predict they find a way to work together. Yeah. Uh, Spoiler. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Stuff about the creators. Uh, the new Buffy universe is great. It is really good. Buffy's good. Angel's good. Yeah. I am excited That's about really this crossover. Um, yeah. They're, they're taking the characters we know. And they feel right, and they feel familiar, yep. and they're doing a modern spin. It's not just a rehash of the Buffy no, and Angel stories we already know. It's working very well. So yeah, I dig looking it. forward to it. The THN Trade of the Week goes to Edgar Allan Poe's Snifter of Terror, Volume 1, trade paperback from Ahoy Comics. It's written by Tom Pyre and Various, with art by Peter Snedgeberg. And various. Various writing and drawing. That's pretty good. Yeah, you know. 192 pages. Various is now a dual threat. Yeah. yeah. 192 pages for 19 Here is your solicit. 
a comedic collection of classic tales and brand new stories adapted by comic's snarkiest talents in this cross between drunk history and tales from the crypt, all introduced by Edgar Allan Poe at his drunkest, collecting all the comics from the six-issue Ahoy comic series, plus terrifying prose and poetry features. You had a real Paul Bearer thing That's going on That's what I was there. going for. Spooky. <laughs> Spooky, baby. Uh, uh, this book is yeah. so wonderful. I had a ton of fun with the uh, with the series. Yeah. I, it's coming back for a second season. Love it. I hate that shit. I know. Um, but yeah, very good stuff. Ahoy makes good comics. Now, these are just a few of the comics and books hitting the new shelves at your LCS next week, but we want to hear about your must-read picks and what you learned from the White House's latest blunder. Head to the THN forums and let us know what you're reading, but also what you'd like to hear us review on the show. And don't forget to pre-order all your picks every week. That's right. And remember, if you're going to commit a crime, don't write it down and send it to the Washington Post. <laughs> they, they literally wrote it down they and sent it to the mayor. Like, see, this is all we did. They we sent, just committed a crime. They, <laughs> they sent their talking points Good to God. the Democrats. Yeah. And they were like, uh, so-and-so would like to recall this message. Good God. <laughs> God damn it, Joe, what's that alarm? It's the Wizard Wayback Machine. It looks like the October issue of Wizard Magazine is here as part of our Quantum Wizard subscription. We spent way too much money on that subscription, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Not as cool as I thought it was going to be yes. at all, but this should be fun. What year are we looking at this time, Joey? This year, or this month, we are looking at Wizard number 50 from October 1995. 95? Yeah, that was like 35 years ago. Jesus Christ. It's got a Todd McFarlane cover homaging the cover of Wizard number one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did Spidey it. as the wizard. Yep. And they yeah. did it again with issue 100. And they digitally touched it up, and it looks kind of crappy. I mean, it's a new drawing, yeah. but with, like, digital colors. It, yeah. It's pretty, like... It was from that era where it's like, digital colors are so cool. Yeah, this is early digital art. Yeah. Where they had just bought Malibu, and they're like, look what yeah. we can do. <laughs> Uh, our lead True story, by the way. They bought Malibu just for that coloring technique. Well, it's more complicated than that. We remember we had Jason Sachs talk about it. Oh, I thought he told us that was true. Not exactly true. No. But, yeah. I mean, that was definitely something they got out of it. Uh, so our lead story in Wizard News this month, when Titans clash, the Hulk meets Pitt. <laughs> Dale, Dale Keown Dale is trying Keown's to, like, Pitt. earn paychecks on both ends. Yes, they're, they're talking about a... Uh, I loved Dale Keown. I loved Dale Keown too. I did not love Pitt, but I loved his. I don't Hulk, think I man. ever actually read Pitt. Pitt, I did. I loved his. I've still Hulk. got him somewhere, just because I loved his art so much. Yeah. So Hulk versus Pitt, one shot bookshelf comic, uh, published jointly by Marvel and uh, Keown's Full Bleed Studios, which Keown was a went division on of Image Comics. to draw like seven more comics that were about a giant monster yeah. and a little kid. Well, that's Tony Daniel. Oh you're no, you're Tony, right. Tony Daniel, Daniel. Uh, because he did Daniel. the tenth. The tenth. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's a lot of big news stories this month. Uh, Spider-Man and the Scarlet Spider uh, go in their separate ways. So we're talking about uh, Scarlet Spider getting his own titles. This is when he took over the main books for a couple months. Was this like after the Clone Saga? Clone Saga is still going on at this point. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, we have an announcement here about uh, Neil Gaiman and Charles Vess uh, collaborating on Stardust for I Vertigo. loved Stardust. Stardust. That was movie was wonderful, too. We've got a story about uh, Hulk Future Imperfect, 
which is pretty cool. Hulk Future Imperfect. If you have not read Future Imperfect, it holds up. It's still great, baby. Yeah, it is great. Oh, man, the maestro. Ugh, love that Hulk. Jumping forward a bit, we've got uh, a nice uh, kind of expose about the Tick, uh, who was kind of enjoying a resurgence in that time, thanks to the cartoon. Okay, this is right. The Fox cartoon? 95 would have been right when it was hitting big time. Yeah, sweet spot. Yeah. Jumping forward to the fan favorite wizard casting call. Always classy. The wizard, we've ran out. We need to pack this magazine full of BS. Yes. Uh, they are casting the Spawn movie, which means this predates the actual Spawn movie. Okay. Okay. So 1995. Yeah, you'll never get it. Uh, Who okay. is Al Simmons slash Spawn? In 95. I'm going to say Cuba Gooding Jr. No. No. Mario Van Peebles. <laughs> I mean, they both had flat tops. I'll give them that. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, were, they were so obvious with this crap. Uh, Wanda Blake, his former wife, is Halle Berry, which seems obvious. Right. Uh, Terry Fitzgerald, who I believe was Wanda's husband. Terry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Leon. Who's Leon? His name is just Leon. He was in uh, Above the Rim. Let me see him. <laughs> Top right corner. Leon was never seen again. Yeah, whatever. Sorry, <laughs> Leon. Uh, Chapel is uh, New York Giants Lawrence Taylor. Oh, perfect. Let's LT. Put a, yeah, terrible yeah. person, by yep. the way. This uh, would have been when he was like vintage LT and he's all coked out and like beating up hookers and shit. <laughs> he was a they bad just, they're guy. They're just casting football players here now. Oh, they, they choose Chris Zorich of the Chicago Bears as overkill. <laughs> Were there no wrestlers? Because it's 1995. Come on, yeah, right? <laughs> like, where are the wrestlers? This would have been like at the peak. Yes, right? this is like WCW Nitro in its prime, man. Uh, they select Kelly Lynch from Roadhouse as Angela. That's not bad. Uh, yeah, all right. I mean, she would have looked She's a little mousy, but. Yeah. Um, and you will never in a million years guess who they chose to pick Violator. <laughs> Sinbad. No. Oh, uh. that would be better. <laughs> uh, no. Al Lewis. Who is Al Lewis? Grandpa from the Munsters. What? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, that's the casting call. Uh, that's your Spawn movie. Hey, All right. uh, probably would have been better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a Red Sonja scavenger hunt if you're interested. They did a scavenger hunt often. I remember that and I always wanted to do one. I feel like, how did they do it? I don't, even I don't know. know. I don't, I don't remember. remember. Did you have to be somewhere? I don't even know. Oh, Paul Smith. This is the meteoric fall of Paul Smith. Yeah. What happened to him? What was the deal? I, I, don't, remember, I don't remember the specifics, and I don't want to like start rumors, but this article talks, this is a great interview with Paul Smith about how he was going to be the next big star artist at Marvel, and uh, that's when everything started to fall apart. Ooh. VH1 behind the music style. He reflects about the time money didn't even enter my mind. I'm better now, but I was very bad then on meeting deadlines. Very unprofessional, he admits. I was an idiot saying the only thing that mattered was work and sex with strangers in the park. I needed to grow You're up. You're making that up. I made that last part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just kind of told the X-Men to fuck off, I guess. He Man. wasn't into it. So uh, Leave it to Chance was coming out. I loved Leave that it to Chance. That book was so good. James Robinson. The many faces of Todd McFarlane. <laughs> Dave DeMarco sent me a YouTube clip that was all of the Todd McFarlane intros from the Spawn cartoon. By the way, the sub headline, Todd McFarlane owns Madonna's Bustier. 
great. Yeah. I'm shitting you not. <laughs> Crapping you negative. Man, Todd, you sure know how to dump money into garbage. Way to go, buddy. <laughs> oh, drawing board crap. People. Oh, we like to look at the drawing board oh, yeah, to see if anybody see famous if, is in there. Yeah, the drawing board where people will draw it, like, just like. Fan art. Draw fan art shit. Let's see. There's a Lenil G-U. That's him. Is it the Joker? No, he's drawing the crow. Hmm. From Las Pinas, Metro Manila, Philippines? Lenil G-U? Let me see. That's not Francis. His middle name's Francis. That's him. That's his signature. What's with the G? Did he I, change from a G to an F? I don't know. Maybe that's like Clem Fandango saying, going by Clem H. Fandango just for the <laughs> metrics. That is a joke about a British comedy that you probably have not seen. I don't know what you're talking about. Hanging with Todd McFarlane contest. Todd McFarlane was an asshole. I would not. I don't want to hang out with Todd McFarlane. No, I don't either. He's just a jerk. We knew him when. Profiles of shining talents from the past four years who were yesterday's up and comers are today's superstars. I want you to guess them. Well, I can see Joe Casada at the top Joe there. Joe Casada. Uh, Dale Keown. Dale Keown is right there. Um, who else would have been big in '95? One of my favorites. One of your favorites? One of my favorites. All-time favorites. I don't know. Mike Alred. Oh, Mike Alred. Mike Alred's here. Mark Bagley? Um, no, Mark Bagley. Hmm. No, you gotta think, you gotta think bigger at the time. Bigger at the time? Uh, Mike Mignola? No. Bigger at the time. Oh. Like, doing the biggest shit ever. Oh. The biggest shit? Oh, Joe Matadera? Nope. Oh, weird. Bigger than that. Bigger than that? Bigger than that! Jack Kirby. No. He was dead by then. Alex fucking Ross. Oh, shit. <laughs> Young yeah, Alex that is Ross. bigger. <laughs> Jim Bellent. Oh, boy. Your talent on Catwoman. Let's check on him, him today. Your man, Sam Keith. Sam Keith, yeah, yeah. he is my man. Uh, let us not forget Bill Tucci, the most overrated artist of all time. Yeah, she, she <laughs> created our Billy Tucci. <laughs> Seriously, that's all Bill Tucci ever did. Why did people ever, like, why did we think Bill Tucci was good? He wasn't that I mean, good. He, I mean, he's not bad. He was so overrated. Stephen Platt, the man who never, almost never was. Yeah, almost never was. He almost and then never was. Norm Brayfogle. Oh, R.I.P. Norm. Yeah. Jeff Smith. Yeah, nice. Jeff Smith. You're yelling about Bone all the way back This then. is a weird That's list. Cool. It's a very weird list. Eclectic. Uh, we've got Palmer's Picks, which was, the, uh, which was the section that idiot teenager Joe Patrick always skipped over. What was it? Because it talked about indie comics. Oh. Uh, and he had they're talking about Stray Bullets. Oh, nice. Cerebus. Yes. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Tug and Buster, which I remember. Mark, I remember Tug Mark and Buster. Hempel's Tug and Buster. Yeah. Uh, milk and Cheese. Shit, man. Fuck I, yeah, Adult dude. Joe Patrick loves all that Evan stuff. Dorkin's except milk and Cerebus, because Dave Sim can die in a fire. Well, but Cerebus was still a great comic. Mm, was it? Yeah, it was. Dave Sim is eh. just a terrible person. Oh, an Underworld Unleashed. <laughs> Underworld Unleashed contest. I love Underworld Unleashed. I don't remember which what Underworld was like Unleashed was. A tiny DC event in the 90s. I remember Underworld. Neron. That's where Neron came from, Underworld Unleashed. But wasn't was, there, there was Underworld first, right? No, Underworld Unleashed. That was just, the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Yeah, Neron was like the ridiculously dressed, I'm not the devil devil. Right, I'm blonde, I'm blonde haired, <laughs> yeah. blue eyed, I look real good. DC was scared. I wear a lot of green. Yeah, Marvel was under fire from Mephisto and DC was like, well, our devil's just, you know, a white guy. <laughs> uh, we, got, we, got a, we got a video game uh, uh, section called Power Up. And we are real excited about Sega Saturn. Oh, man. I was excited about Sega Saturn back oh, then. Oh, not this guy. Oh, Marvel overpowered the card game. 
I remember that shit. That was not fun. It was uh, specifically not fun. A lot of a lot of trading card stuff in here. Yeah. This was uh, the day. Is there a trading card? Uh, is this when they started doing the trading card like price list and crap? Oh, maybe. Yeah. That in there? That might be in there. God. What a waste of paper. All right. Let's do some samples from the CBIQ, the comic book intelligence quotient. Are I love you it. ready? I love it. I love it. Hit me. The the old original the old X Men villain the Living Monolith was originally called what A Factor Three B Pharaoh E uh, C El Tigre or D Grotesque with Pharaoh a K. It was Pharaoh he was the Living Pharaoh shit oh no yeah. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. no I'm sorry Pharaoh yeah yeah he was the Living Monolith yes but uh, <laughs> yeah uh, who's the fuzzy green mascot from Gen Thirteen is it Gentine Orko Quilock or Lockheed Quelock. It's Quelock. I'm pretty sure it's Quelock. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's not going to be good. That's not going to be good. Oh, who kidnapped and dismantled the vision? Ultron, AIM, the feds. God damn it, wizard. Or Zack, the hyperactive Lego maniac. It was Zack, the hyperactive. Yes, definitely Zack. Zack. He's a Lego maniac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe it was the feds. See, the feds. The feds did? Mm-hmm. They kidnapped him and took him apart? Yeah. What a bunch of jerks. Because they tried to take over the world. The fucking FBI did. The, the, <laughs> the government. They can show up and they can take apart Ultron. They can, yeah. Pardon me, the, the vision. vision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, like, I guess if you have the right Starbolt screwdriver, you can do anything. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we'll do two more here. Uh, all right. Here's another Gen 13 question. What does the 13 in Gen 13 mean? A, they're the 13th generation born after the bombing of Hiroshima. Mm. No. B, they each have 13 mutated genes. Mm. C, 13 U.S. Army generals tell the team what to do. Or D, Marvel won the lawsuit. Because <laughs> uh, they were originally supposed to be called Gen X. They were going to be Gen X. Yeah. And the true answer is Marvel won the lawsuit, but they're going with like the 13 mutated genes or something like that. I think that's true. Yeah. The answers are on a different page. Because so there was Gen 12 be. and like. Yeah, we there were different out, groups. Yeah. Right. All right. Here is your final question. According to Guns N' Roses, what happened? Stop. No. <laughs> what happened to Captain America in Paradise City? According to. Oh. Uh, a. Life's taken its toll. The captain's fat and lazy. Now all his money's driving him crazy. B. He's been torn apart and now he's a court jester with a broken heart. C. He's been ripped to shreds as the flag was burned. Now everywhere old glory's spurned. Or D. Caps come to the city to do a little bowling. Then he's got to get rid of the undigested meat in his colon. <laughs> well, it's not D, but I like that one the oh, best. Oh, it's definitely I believe D. it's A. I think it's A. There. Captain America has been torn apart. Now he's a court jester with a broken heart. Yeah, B. Ah, I was wrong. Yeah. Okay. Captain right, well. America has been torn apart. Now he's a court jester with a broken heart. All right, I think we should probably wrap it up with the uh, top 10 comics. What do you think? All right, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Let's try and guess the top 10 comics. Well, 1995. I've got them in front of my face. So, yeah, so I'm going to take shots at them. Uh, number 10, Vengeance of Vampirella, number one. Apparently, it was hot right from the jump. Good God. Number nine, X-Man, number one. Oh, this is when... Uh, Age of Apocalypse. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, number eight, X-Files, number two. <laughs> Tops, right? Mm, That's tops, yes. Yeah, Tops, tops comics. comics. Yeah, baby. Number seven, Azrael, number one. Ooh, one of my favorite comics. I still, I'll never let it go. <laughs> number six, Gen 13, number one. That was Joe Quesada on that Azrael, right? Yeah. No, he did Sword of Azrael. That's right. Which was the mini. That's right. 
Generation X number one is number five. That's a great comic. That's fun. Number four is she number one. Number three is X-Files number one. This list is weird. What? Yeah. Why are it's double issues? I don't know. Number two, Lady Death number one. Number one, X-Men Prime. Uh, which was the first issue back from yeah, Age yeah, of Apocalypse. Yeah. That a holofoil cover? It had kind of a weird, right? Uh, almost kind of see-through. Not holofoil, but it was like a metal kind of foil thing. Um, so X-Men Omega, Alpha and Omega, the bookends to Age of Apocalypse, right. had the foil cover, the metal cover. That's right. Chromium is what they called Chromium, it. Chromium, yeah. Um, X-Men Prime number one had a weird, like, almost kind of like acetate. It was almost see-through. Uh, it had Brian Hitch art. It was like kind of a hard plastic. It, it was different. picture this. Yeah. So, yeah. I own it. I can't picture it. Uh, so, basically, what we're saying here is the 90s were dumb. Oh, I missed the whole back half of the top 10. Boy, these comics are worthless now. Prime number two. Garbage. That book was Malibu? written by a pederast. Yeah. Malibu, right? Um, oh, Malibu Ultraverse, yes. Yeah. Pre-Marvel. Um, number eight makes sense. First appearance of Carnage, Amazing Spider-Man okay. 361. That's still a good uh, one. Three-way tie, That's actually. Still a good one. Harbinger number one and Sword of Azrael number one. I don't think the old Hardbringer sells for much anymore. I, and don't, I, I don't definitely so. don't think Sword of Azrael sells for much. Uh, Batman Vengeance of Bane number one. That one's still pretty hot. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, number nine is a two-way tie between Moon Knight 55, which is the Stephen first Platt. Stephen Platt issue. Yeah. And Daredevil 319, which was the first chapter of Fall from Grace. Which was a huge storyline for it Daredevil was, in the yeah. 90s. He was wearing the armor. That's where he got the armor, yes. stupid. Yeah, I hated boy, oh boy. the Daredevil armor. Hated it. So, yeah, there we have it. There we go. That's us just casually thumbing wizard, through Wizard with no plan. October 1995. I hope you edit this to make it sound real good. I'm going to edit the shit out of it. <laughs> Excelsior. Oh. That is it for THN 546. And the script for episode 547 may have made it into the furnace. <laughs> Joe, why did you ask these nerds a new question of the week while I sip through the ashes here? This week's question was submitted by Brian Domingos via the THN forums. Battle Chasers had a big collection released this week, and I can't help but think of the poor souls picking it up that have been hanging on to the memory of what could have been for 21 plus years. What is your unreasonable comics loyalty? I got some pretty unreasonable ones. I do too. It's going to be good. <laughs> I do too. If you're new to the show and you're thinking about tossing your digital listening device into the fire, I assure you it is only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN on our digital longbox archive at twitternerd.com, but hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. So we want to thank donors like Anthony Drago. He really got his shit together this he week. He really did. Way to go, Anthony. Our second Anthony. Yes, our second Anthony. He's Anthony 2. That's his nickname. Anthony 2. <laughs> Anthony 1 in our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Carl Smith, James Kaplan, Aaron Myers, my old boss, Dave Clementic, and everyone else that stepped up to donate and share our fundraiser for the family of our friend Matt Huckins. Thanks to you, we were able to raise almost $1,000 in less than two days, and we're just getting started. The fundraiser is going to be up for at least a month. I'll have all the fundraising links in the show notes and on our Facebook page. Word to you guys, please consider donating and or helping us spread the word. If you are moved to do so, it's important, and it we is, appreciate it. It is important. Thank you, guys. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics, or your retailer might just team up with your old boss and expose some of your private work memos. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. I got some embarrassing work memos. That's no good. 